Live ECU. Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors on this Tuesday, November 7th edition of the program. It is going to be a fun show. We are talking ECU basketball, the Pirates victorious in men's and women's hoops on opening night. We'll discuss that. We've also got our usual football show because Joey Football, Joe Sampson, is here. He is live in the studio, so we're talking East Carolina and FAU. And we will talk, unfortunately for Joe, the New York Jets. As he uh, had quite the week in picks. He was perfect. We do our picks every Friday night. And going into last night, you needed a Jets win for the clean sweep, 10-0. and 0. It basically would have gone, had you go from worst to close to first. So. I would have rather gone 1-9. This hurts. The Jets. I'm dejected. Yeah, I can tell. Like you just, you seem a little down this morning. It's one of those things. I mean, this is the same team that at one point I thought Teddy Bridgewater was going to be our savior at quarterback. I I don't know what else to expect anymore. We played Kellen Clemens, and he looked better than Zach Wilson last night. Wilson didn't look terrible, but I mean, Garrett Wilson's fumble hurt terribly. Uh, the Brees Hall half pitch fumble that should have been ruled incomplete to forward pass, but that's another fight for another day. Every single play, the Jets break going for a holding call, and then miraculously. When Jermaine Johnson gets throat chopped or held down with JFM getting kneecapped by a running back, there's no flag to be seen. But hey, we'll uh, we'll handle that internally. You got to get it off your chest early, right? right. So, uh, I'm, hey, they're still in the playoff race. We're they're still ma- in the playoff race. We are four and four. Maybe not legitimately four and four, second in the division. Maybe not Super Bowl contenders, but no, playoff, we'll see. playoff race. There's a lot of time left. Is Aaron Rodgers still throwing pregame? Aaron Rodgers said give him a couple weeks. He threw 50-yard bombs yesterday off dropbacks. He's he's going to re-tear his Achilles before I don't think he you gets can. back. Like, I, I don't really? Think, yeah, I think they said like, scientifically he can't do any more damage to it. Well. But also, he, science and him don't really right. get along. He's so. getting kind of up there in age. So, yeah. it is crossover season, and I was thinking today, we're, we're recording this early on the live stream. we got the Mike Houston press conference coming up. At 9.30, or excuse me, we're recording early at 9.30. We got the press conference coming up at 11.30, and ECU taking on FAU, and I was like, what should I make the title of this show? Because we've talked every, we've talked about this football team every which way, and it's like Groundhog Day, man. Every week's yeah. the same. We're going to talk hoops. Let's start with football, though. I mean, it's, you're a football guy, and we were kind of I joking. tried to be. I was joking before the show, so... Last week, guys, East Carolina has taken on FAU this coming week. Pirates still looking for FBS win number one of 2023. FAU, in a 45-42 loss at UAB last week, allowed 614 yards, 499 yards passing, 115 rushing. It looks like UAB didn't even really try to run the ball that much. But they, they gave up 614 yards. Yeah, they didn't need to run the ball. So what does this mean? Does this mean ECU's... 220? <laughs> Do we divide it by three? Does that mean... I, I think you divide it by three, and that's truly... 
uh, right. as a homer, as any ECU fan would tell you, we're not the offense we want to be. But UAB is a team that's building. They held Tulane for the first part of their game against them to 14 points, and they looked like they were in control 21-14 going into half. And then all of a sudden Tulane woke up, similar to how they did with us, and just found a way to win a game like late. But this isn't a UAB team that's a, a fall from grace by any means. Trent Dilfer's building something. They've found a way to get into close ball games, and that's how you build the program. They've lost close. They're winning close, and then they'll start to build after that. So uh, FAU is also a very good team. So we could see two different Pirates, two different sides of a coin. We could see the UTSA offense. We could see the Charlotte offense. It's going to depend on how they get off the flight to Boca. So if we if we go by the divide by three method, East Carolina will have 205 yards of offense, and they are coming off a game where they had 190 yards, 47 yards, Joe, okay. after the first quarter. Um, put, put on pace. Uh, so I mean, I just I, I don't know what to say about this offense anymore, and I know that it was a weird game where you only had seven possessions, and they only ran 43 plays, counting yeah. penalties, which is like nothing. That's like two-thirds of what you usually do at, at minimum. So might have ran more against the Navy last year. I think, yeah, 100% they did. So it's that played a role in the yardage. But at the same point, second game without 200 yards. But you reach, can't have 14 passing yards in the second half. I mean, that's – And call it a successful yeah, game. I just I, – I don't, I don't know what to say about this offense anymore. What Can you add any – can you add anything we haven't already talked about? I don't know. Like I'm kind of uh, at a loss for words sometimes. It's it's difficult to say. The running the running backs look a lot better. Uh, going to green with fresh legs was a smart move, for sure. Uh, Johnson's starting to look to form. He's actually like making contested catches and getting first downs and running after the catch, which is what we were hoping to see. Uh, Riles looks fine at tight end. So that's, he actually that's, got a first down. That's and an additive yeah. catch. He had uh, two catches for like 13 yards, I think it was, in mm-hmm. the score, or the box score. Um, I would love to see more Spalding out of the slot. Patterson got some burn <laughs> late in the first and then didn't really see a ton of him until probably early in the fourth. I uh, would love more Keelan Robinson. I I don't understand yeah. how you go to him in UTSA a couple times and then you don't trot him back out there. That's above my pay grade, though, clearly. But we're allowed to speculate because we're media, and that's what we do. So I'd love to see Robinson more. Uh, especially in the outside, little little big action. You could go true slot and put Sewell on the inside and get some mismatch on like a linebacker or something, especially against FAU with their three three five they run. Um, not not a ton more analysis than I can give. Flynn right. played well. The game wasn't on Flynn to lose. The game was on Flynn to win, and unfortunately for him, the couple penalties really held him back. Jari Patterson five snaps, Brock Spotty nine snaps. I just. I honestly thought we would see more of them this year, and we just haven't. And I don't think it's a knock on them. I think a lot of that goes to Jalen Johnson has yeah. played a lot in the slot, and Jalen has been playing better lately. But it, I really thought we'd see more Jari Patterson this year based on what we heard in the preseason. We all, we saw a ton of him the first three games, yeah. and then it was kind of like they went to a different personnel set because we saw a ton of him against App State, made his first start. We saw a good bit of him against Michigan on some reverses. Uh, Marshall, he got a good bit of probably split reps with Jalen as far as snap count mm-hmm. goes almost. I'm sure you could verify that. Yeah. Um, and then we just kind of like phased him out, so to speak. What did you make of – I mean, look, this has been a frustrating year, but yeah, you can see the culture of the guy. I mean, the offense is bad, but they're still playing hard. 
The team is still playing mm-hmm. hard. It, you know, you're one and eight. You're one and seven going into this game. You could easily roll out there and just lose forty to three. But like, they're still fighting, and I think that does say a lot. I know nobody wants to hear that because people right. are tired of, yeah. of losing football games. But I, I do feel like we're seeing the culture, Joe. I mean, mm-hmm. we'll, hopefully, it results in some wins here in the, in the last three games. But I don't think you can deny that this. The program from a culture perspective is still in a solid foundation. Oh, it's fine. I mean, Coach Houston says it, and people are going to say, wow, he's already using coach speak. Uh, tough times don't last. Tough people do. And that's what the program is. This is a team that is three games away of scoring seven more points from being four and three. Yeah, I mean. You, you, you look at Rice. If you go down and you score the touchdown against Rice going into the half instead of taking the field goal. You win that game by three points. If you go to Charlotte and you score one more touchdown, you win that game by four points. If you go last week and you're able to score another touchdown, and you don't lose 13 to 10. You're sitting there with four wins, four and three in a driver's seat, and then you have two more games to find a way to win and get a bowl game. So it's not by any means a, a blowout of losses. I mean, it still hurts. They're ugly losses, but they're not 56 to three. It's not every game was Michigan where it was 30 to three. It's really... It's, it's it's hard for me to kind of explain what we've seen because ECU has now played the three top teams in the conference, yeah. SMU, UTSA, and the number two and team Tulane. in the country. Three, and, three teams. Yeah, My Michigan. Apologies. Cheaters. Yeah. Uh, but, like, I, I've see, I see ECU on the field with these teams, and, again, match you're, up. You're, one of, you're not that far away, though, no, Joe. Like, you're right just there. Like, you, you match two, up. You're like two offensive players. And maybe uh, obviously a new offense in general away, and like you went toe to toe with SMU for three quarters. Mm-hmm. UTSA I thought looked like the better team. They definitely had more talent, but it was They're also on the road. Too. And and you know you still took you took it to them a little bit. So and then Tulane, you took Tulane. You down just to couldn't the final score. Two minutes. So I mean, it's just like this team is yeah. is bad, but they're not like horrific. So yeah. I, I don't know, man. I, I just. This this whole season has worn on me, much like everybody, and it's just like I'm trying to maybe stay somewhat optimistic that ECU is not as far away as it seems, and I know the record yeah. makes it seem like, man, we're never going to get out of this hole. You're 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 literally the ball bouncing three different ways from being four and three, yeah. and then people are like, okay, this isn't where we wanted to be, but at least I do so. have a so. I get this question a lot, and I'll get your take on it. Like right. Mike Houston's philosophy is he wants to play close games, and I don't know how true that necessarily is, but this is how a lot of people say, hey, he wants those tight ball games where you got to make the play at the end to mm-hmm. win. And to, uh, you know, I think there is something to that, but a lot of people say, hey, we shouldn't be in these games even when, we play, like when you play a Charlotte because then your margin for error, you could, you could easily lose – based on a play here or there. So should they adjust their philosophy of, hey, let's stop trying to win these games in the fourth quarter and just go win the game from the second quarter on? I don't know. Uh, Do you understand what I'm asking? Yeah, it's, it's, kind of a, it's difficult to go off that. Every yeah. every game plan, you kind of feel a different way. I mean, Gardner-Webb, I'm pretty sure the guys, and this is just off experience, when we played Campbell, it wasn't one of those, okay, let's go win it in the fourth quarter. It was, let's, right. let's make a statement. Let's show people who we are. We don't want people kind of doubting us after the state game left a bad taste in our mouth. And then when you get into the tighter games, like you played State, who at the time I think were preseason six or seven. I don't know how it worked out because college football playoff had them at four, but oh well. <laughs> um, I hate Dave Dorn. 
you play them close and you're like, okay, this is the team we thought we were. Like, this is a measuring stick. And then from there on, you want to win tight ball games because if you go out there thinking it's going to be a fourth quarter dogfight right. and you're up 14 points in the fourth quarter, you're not in a spot where you're stressing, reaching, or clawing to try and fight back. But if you go into there and you're thinking, okay, we should be up big, guys on the sideline, like, we should be up two scores right now. Like, they start pressing for plays and. And that's kind of where you wind up making mistakes. You play hero ball. So there's a fine line there. Yeah, because Temple, Temple was one of those games where we're mm-hmm. like, all right, like, let's go in and play Temple. Like, let's just go, go be beat us him. and go beat Temple. And all of a sudden, Holden Hill is just to throw across his body into triple coverage, and Jalen Johnson comes out with the ball. So that's that's just what happens. I mean, college football is such a tough game to try mm-hmm. and like sit there and be like, you should win this by 45 points. And the ones that do are Nick Saban and Kirby Smart, and they have a handful of rings, and there's a reason for it. Do you think it goes back? Like, Is there something the coaching staff can do better? And, and this is kind of a tough question. Mm-hmm. Um, but like ECU jumps out to the 10 nothing lead, and, and a lot of people also will say, all right, you get up 10 nothing, and it's kind of like, all right, let's just go into the shell and win the game. 13-10 or 10-7. to 7. Do you feel like that's fair or is that just – is it more about Tulane made the adjustments? Because to me, watching the game, even when ECU had the lead, whether it was 10-0, 10-7, they were still taking some shots yeah. down the field. They just weren't making those plays. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I mean, maybe some of that narrative just is the easy narrative to take when you get a lead and then stall out. Yeah, I mean, the same people are hoping for that. The same people are like, well, why are you asking to win a close game in the fourth quarter? Right. Well, if I'm not taking a shot up 10, then I'm going to sit there in the fourth quarter and it's going to be 10-10 and one of us has to try and drag out a field goal in, in two minutes. So I, I like the aggressiveness. I like the shots they took. I liked a, a couple of the slot fades they ran. I like the comebacks a lot on the sidelines, especially outside the numbers because Tulane does play so much man. Um I didn't like how we kind of went away from the power run scheme, went to a lot more wide zone, and it was okay for a couple. Say. Yeah, especially when you're missing your home run hitter like Bond and Guns having a difficulty kind of moving between the tackles, and, and Rajay starting to look a little bit more like himself. But early on in the season, he didn't have the shiftiness that he had in the past. So that was interesting to see them go to a lot more zone. I would have liked a little bit more power, especially with how their D tackles kind of play over and where they want to go into the underfront or the overfront. Um, other than that, I mean, you can't play a game by trying not to lose. Yeah, 190 yards of offense in the day, just not good enough. It's uh, it just is what it is. The, the offense is the- bad. You're nine games no. in. Yeah. Like we know what the offense we're, is. We're not sitting here and preaching. The offense is good. We're no. just sitting here and preaching. It's not as bad as we were anticipating. All right. It was it though. Like compared to what we thought Tulane was going to oh, do. Oh, okay, going into Tulane. No, not the I season. I thought you meant going no, no, into no, no, the no. season. We're like, well past that. Okay. We're in reality. I mean, they did average uh, 4.4 yards per play, which is more than what they averaged going into the game. They just ran so little plays because they mm-hmm. couldn't sustain drives after the first quarter. Yeah. All right, defensively, we'll hit on this before we take a break. Deontay Johnson had a game and a half. Tried to tell you guys. 43 snaps, three pressures, two sacks. 90.7 PFF grade, yep. Pro Football Focus, Team, team of the, of the Week. week. Mm-hmm. And he is just now really coming to his own, man. He's looking like a difference maker. And, and I've said all along this defensive front, you got a lot of solid players. Do you have that difference maker? It's Deontay him. Johnson looks like it. I so. mean, this is the same guy who told us last Tuesday. He was like, this is my first full season. Yeah, I didn't even think about it like that. Yeah, and 
I just sat there and I was like, yeah. On Saturday, I was like, he's my player to watch. I really think he's going to have a great game. And I, yeah. I wasn't anticipating a 90.7, so shout out Big Tay. But that's that's what he does. I told like He's a game breaker. He gets vertical. He kills their zone. They like a lot of zone read also, especially with practice. He's a true dual threat guy. Uh, he's just That's chaos. the best pass yeah. rush we've seen from him too. Like oh, I've never seen him get that much monster. pass rush. Yeah, he got home like three or four <laughs> times. Uh, what do you have, four pressures, one yeah. sack? Two sacks, Two three sacks. pressures. Three pressures. So there we go. They gave him the second sack. There's also the JD Lampley game. Three pressures, a sack. He's, he was everywhere with the pass rush. 29 snaps. He had an 88.1 PFF grade. So both those guys were cleaning up. Good D to line see. room. D line was balling. Julius Woods, 72 snaps on 72 plays. Insane. I I tweeted it during the game, Joe. I'm gonna miss watching Julius Wood play football because yeah. he just plays it like. How you should play football. Like, I love this dude. It's, it's one of those things, like, when he came in, we knew we were getting a good player. We didn't know what we were getting. And Julius is such a good person on top of being, like, such a great player and such a great teammate that you really do just, like, root for him. So it's been really cool to kind of be back where you guys sit and see everything right. from the top view and just see him fly because he is such a quick motor and he should get a shot at the next level because he is – incredible he's balling and uh he's even playing a different position now yeah, moving that's... to the other safety spot and still playing well so uh gonna miss julius but three games left and uh we'll uh talk about oh yeah by the way tough news jack powers put on instagram he is out for the year torn peck muscle uh senior six-year senior in nevada transfer and uh tough way to go out man not being able to go on your own terms i know that that has to hurt it's my travel roommate too yeah I hate that for Love him. Love Cactus Jack. He uh, is a great dude and really enjoyed awesome getting to know guy. him the last two years, covering him. I shot him a message yesterday saying, you know, really hate it for him. But class act, so wishing Jack Powers the best uh, going forward. We'll ask Mike Houston about that at the press conference today. All right, let's get our first break in. We'll come back. We'll switch gears. We'll talk some hoops. I'll ask Joey, oh, yeah. I'll ask Joey Football how much ECU basketball he watched during the New York Jets game last <laughs> night. We'll discuss that and more. We'll get Philip Pilkins' take as well on the Hoops team. On the other side, this is Hoist the Colors on a Tuesday. What's happening, man? What's happening? Tell me what's happening. Every ECU fan's one stop for all things ECU athletics. This is Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Welcome back in. Hoist the Colors on a Tuesday. We're live streaming early because we got the press conference. We do this every Tuesday during the season. There's only three weeks left. And we will continue it through then. Joey Football is with us. Philip Pilkenton is producing. We got our East Coast Agency Player of the Week coming up here shortly. We'll get to that. Hint, hint. <laughs> Plays for the NFL team. Uh, we'll talk about that. A NFL team, I should say. One of. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk some basketball, guys. First off, Joey Football. How much hoops did you watch last night? I, I watched. You'd be surprised. I okay. watched probably a good bit up until the eight o'clock hour, and then I rolled into pregame coverage of the team that hurt me. Uh, but I mean, the boys. The boys got Schwartz it done. Ball. You know he's he's real fired up. Ferrum's a good basketball team. Schwartz Ball. A lot of respect to Ferrum College. A lot of respect. And Ferrum College showed up. They, they did. They shot well. They came out. And, and I was, so I was sitting baseline by ECU's bench, taking some photos for the first few media timeouts, and really was impressed by ECU's intent, energy. You know, it's the season opener. They're going to come out with, with juice. They're going to come out with some fire. But Ferrum made some tough shots, kind of hung around. Mm -hmm. um, but at the end of the day, 
they got worn down. They had one guy step up, score 19. ECU did their job on their leading score. He fouled out, scored just five points, so you kind of accomplished what you wanted to accomplish there. But yeah. this is the most – you know, Mike Schwartz did the most head coach thing ever after the game. You know, glad to get the win, but he basically said the defense was unacceptable. I don't want to yeah, really I, put words in his mouth. But. No, but I was, I was about to get into that. <laughs> yeah. ECU scored 91 and won by 30. We weren't right. expecting that. Schwartz ball is score 68. Right. Win by three because they scored 65. Like, that. that's Schwartz ball. So, I mean, they still held Ferrum to under 65 points, which anytime you can do that in college basketball is extremely impressive, regardless of the opponent. But that definitely wasn't Schwartz ball defense we were expecting. But it's still a great win to kind of put – you win by 30. Into, yeah. You can't Offense on, so much. on fire. I mean, anytime you can score 91 points, you're going to be fine. ECU got to the free throw line 39 times because basically whenever they wanted to, they could drive and get fouled. Farham just couldn't hang with them. Farham shot six free throws. So 33 differential there. You could say the refs knew who's supposed to win. That what probably had something to do with it. They were like 30 of 39 from yeah, the 30 line, of right? 39. Yeah. Anytime you do that, that's a success. Outscored Farham 27 from the line. Uh, leading leading scorer, Brandon Johnson, 29 points, career high, nine rebounds. You also he had looked, he looked the part, I have to say, especially stretch forward like him. I mean, he was playing everywhere. He can shoot. He's driving this year. Ezra Saar scored 13. Caleb LeCount got the start, scored 11. RJ Felton scored 11 as well. So here's the quote from Schwartz after the game. Um, let's see if I can find it here. Schwartz court or court quote <laughs> of all time. Court. Schwartz court. So basically, you know, great to get the season started off, obviously with the win. And then he basically just went through. That being said, I'm really disappointed with our isolation and on ball defense. I thought Ferrum did a really good job. We knew coming in this would be a game that wanted to play downhill, drive the basketball, and just not pleased with how we guarded the basketball. Said our biggest takeaway was the defense. We need to fix it. And then somebody followed up later. This was the best part. Essentially said, Coach, you said you weren't overly pleased with the defense. And he said, he said, no. I scored too many points. He said, I think I'll clarify, not overly, because I'm not pleased at all with our defense. Not at all. (laughs) I mean, zero. Very unhappy with how we play defensively, and we're going to fix it. So... My th- I like this because you got to. He's gotta, fired up. You got to set the standard, That's, man. If you yeah. want to be a defensive team, Joe, you know, with football, like you got to hang that's, your hat on something. That's, that's the Nick Saban way. I mean, we won by forty-five. Why didn't we win by forty-eight? He, he's like, why'd they score sixty-one points? That's that's what you do. It's how you set the tone. The Division three team, you could say giving up sixty-one is not not a good thing, and I think that's I where mean, they're coming from. At least you weren't in a dogfight with Radford like UNC was. That is true, Philip. What did you think of hoops last night? Well, the one thing I was going to say, building off his point, kind of what Coach Schwartz was saying, week nine of 1972, the Miami Dolphins beat the New England Patriots 52 to nothing. Coach Don Shula came in the locker room. The first thing he did was tell him everything they did wrong because he didn't want his team to get complacent. He was afraid if they got complacent, they'd lose a game. They didn't lose a game all year. They were perfect. The, so that's why Coach Schwartz did that. But it was what you going to say, Joe? And the, no, the undefeated losses. Patriots, uh, Belichick came out and said at the end of the year when they lost to the Giants, they didn't know how to lose or like play from behind because they thought they were perfect. Yeah. So it's the same there thing. You, you got to pop the bubble. You do. So, anyways, you know, I thought that early ECU um, did not take Farum lightly. However, Farum was ready for the test. Mm-hmm. I think they came out, they punched ECU in the mouth, and the Pirates responded. I mean, Farum shot 50%. 
ish from the floor in the first half. And it was only a 10-point game at halftime, but I didn't think ECU come out and looked shocked. They were very aggressive in guarding ECU, especially outside, and it caused guys to drive. You know, Ezra drove a lot, got fouled. Brandon drove a lot, got fouled. So they used their over-aggression to them. I thought they did a very good job of moves and counter moves, at least when we had the ball. However, I guess the defense, not as good yet. Maybe let up a few too many points. Coach Schwartz, obviously, it's never good enough unless you get a shutout. So, right. so we start beating teams 42-0. to zero. We'll get um, there. You know, it's, it's not going to happen, especially with Mark Adams on staff. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I thought really the, they did use Ferrum's aggression against them instead of using it as a crutch. And that's the sign of a mature basketball mm-hmm. team, a team who's played together before, and a team that's going to have success in the future. You could see the Mark Adams footprint, too, with the off-ball defense. Yeah, and, and it was interesting, too, sitting down there, Joe. You could really see how the, the whole staff, man, I just love the way Schwartz they're coaches. They're, they're all in it. I mean, the <laughs> four different guys talking at once. You got the strength coach who is just like, I mean, if you're not, if you're on the, if you're sitting on the bench and you're not getting hype, the strength coach, Keith Pugh, he is going to jump you. Coach Pugh is one of those guys who it doesn't matter where you are. If you aren't up, with energy and excitement, he is going to call you out. It could be 5 a.m., you're out there in, like, the freezing cold, and he's, like, walking into the facility. He's screaming at you that you're not, like, screaming. That dude has no uh, no let up. I mean, there's <laughs> just – it is full intensity all the time, so a lot of fun there. Uh, we saw Bobby Pettiford make his ECU debut, 18 minutes, four points, two assists. He probably should have had five or six assists. Guys missed some, some wide-open shots off what I thought was great penetration and kick. So they missed some open threes last night, 7 of 21. Not the worst performance in the world from deep, but, uh, you know, room to improve there. He still scored 91 points, a lot of that coming from the line. But I thought Bobby did some good things. Caleb account got the start, six assists, one turnover. I thought he looked improved. We'll continue to see how he does going forward. Jaden Walker played more off the ball. Ben Baela hit a couple threes. So, look, you got some takeaways, but it's Ferrum, and we'll know a lot more after these next few games. Campbell comes to town. Saturday, the Camels beat Navy 59-48 in their season opener. So I think Campbell, a solid program. They played ECU last year. They won't come in intimidated. 2 o'clock Saturday, I think we'll know a little bit more then. All right, the women get a big victory. They just do what they do. You want to talk about Schwartz ball? How about Kim McNeil ball? Kim McNeil ball is alive and well. 37 points allowed. So I don't think she's complaining about the defense. They she, went 68-37 no, no, no. at Elon. She's definitely complaining. Do you think she's She probably got on the bus and was like, why did they score 37 points? Well, she's probably upset because they only let up 16 in the first half and they let up 21 in the second half, and she was like, what the heck? See, why you let up 16 complacent. again? You know? I guess I guess getting I'm, complacent. Yeah. He thinks that 68-37 is acceptable. Look, you need to win yeah. 68-0. If you, yeah. I think if you give up 37 points and force 31 turnovers, you're feeling pretty good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, they were everywhere. You let up you let up three less points in the amount of minutes that were played in the game. There's something to be said for if that. If they score six less points, you match turnovers to points allowed. That's, that's impressive. That's basically what it was. I mean, and I got to be honest, guys. The uh, I mean, you can look deeper into the box score and you can right. see some differences from you a year ago. But hunt, but. This is basically the same box score as last year. Mm-hmm. Did A. McNeil, 22 points. Amaya Joyner, 16 points, 7 rebounds. 37 points allowed. Winning the game by 30 points. And this is just what they do. They suffocate you on defense. I mean, to go on the road and hold somebody to less than 40, I know Elon's not great, but you just got to love that. Defense travels. I do love that both the men and women's teams have a clear identity. The women... 
like Kim McNeil said, it's taken them some time to really get to it. But they now, they have that mentality. And they're going to go out there. They're going to play defense. We did see uh, Tatiana Weish, the Florida transfer. She had 10 rebounds in her ECU debut. So that was good to see. And, uh, you know, Karina Gordon, Antoine Jackson's girlfriend. I think that's still a thing. Uh, she made a three. She scored nine points. And she had seven in the first half. She was the leading scorer at halftime, so really? she got out to a good early start. So there you go. I mean, so improved shooting to a degree. They made nine threes. They did take 32. That's a lot of three-pointers. Uh, that's, that's a lot of three-pointers. That's, that's a lot more for Kimball. Yeah, that, usually Kimball is uh, – <laughs> Twos, layups, right. second-chance points. So, you know, I'm, Transition. I'm, I'm liking they're aggressive from three. You know, hopefully that number percentage-wise ticks up. But, I mean, you went by 31 on the road against Elon. You're taking that, Joe. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you won by 31. You forced 31 turnovers. I think that's a very good day. So East Carolina starts the season 1-0 in men's and women's basketball. The women will have their home opener Thursday night, USC Upstate, 6 p.m. inside Menji's Coliseum. And then the men, again, will host Campbell 2 o'clock on Saturday before the FAU game at 4. Uh, William Landon says, good showing by the students last night. Menji should be rocking this year as more people catch the buzz. Yeah, I thought this, the student turnout was excellent. I thought the students, I mean, it was packed. The lower bowl, I was, I was talking with John Gilbert, mm-hmm. AD, before the game. He said there's now 900 student tickets left in the lower bowl with the uh, purple seats on the other side, accounting for 400-plus. So you got, you know, 1,300, 1,500 people down there, I guess, around there. That was completely full in terms of tickets sold. The problem is, I don't know how it looked on TV, but to me – to this. There were a lot of empty purple seats. It, if you flipped it and the student section was behind the benches because you would see it on the camera, it right. would look so much more full than it is. And it's not a shot at people who are like yeah. coming or season ticket holders by any means, but like a Monday at 7, 7 p.m. is very difficult to get to. It seemed like the purple seats, which they look great. Uh, you know, they do look they great. They probably look a lot better on TV than the gray bleachers when nobody's sitting in them, but... What about half full? What could you see on TV? Uh, yeah, probably about half full, yeah. maybe a little under three quarters. So it I looked mean, like there were people there, but it didn't look like it was packed. And then you see pictures of the student section, and it was jam packed, elbow to elbow. Saw a lot of football players in the overflow area up top. Saw Julius Wood. Uh, told him pirates sporting pirates. Told him I was a uh, big fan of his game, and he enjoyed that. So uh, it's yeah, I mean, good to see the, all the athletes out supporting the basketball team. The new lights. Guys, uh, look good. I know. He, How's DJ? The DJ was good. It was DJ it was, was good. It was interesting. Here we go. He has his little stand off to the side, so like that's kind of unique. Will, will we see Steve and I go DJing? Uh, I tell you what, uh, if they want me to DJ, I'll DJ. <laughs> it, it will be playing some hard rock music instead of like hey, hip hop. Be a football practice. But uh, hey, that's right. Get some disturbed going, <laughs> like Big John, uh, some Bon Jovi, little Pantera. Uh, that we could do some Pantera definitely. All right, so. I don't know, the lights, uh, and again, talking to people, the reference was made, all right, we got these fancy lights, and we're probably using maybe 10 to 20% of what we can actually do because we're still trying to figure it out. But lots of lights going on and off, lots of flickering. Okay. Last year, they couldn't even turn the lights off, so that was a major upgrade. much improved. The no quarter, when they do the no quarter at the under eight media timeout, the lights turn red. There we go. That's uh, sick. I'm a big fan. I think it's going to be fun in Minji's this year. I think the teams are going to live up to the hype and do their thing. So get out to Minji's starting this Thursday and Saturday. All right, let's get another break in. We'll come back. We'll talk some other 
ECU notes as well. We may get into some NFL and a look around the American, catch up on the championship race, talk ECU football as well. What do we expect going into FAU? Is this a winnable game that Owls are a double-digit favorite? We'll talk about that, the challenge in Boca Raton. This is Hoisted Colors on the Tuesday. We'll be right back. Everything you need to know in the world of ECU athletics. This is Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Welcome back in to a Tuesday edition of Hoist the Colors. Joey Football is here. Philip Pilkington is producing. The tagline says everything you need to know in the world of ECU athletics. And that's what we do. I got a text message during the break. Anonymous sources are reporting that Igo did not get any food last night at basketball. I think this should be discussed right now in Hoist the Colors. I think that's why you're so lethargic. I, I Look, I'm struggling this morning he's with a, energy. He's a and, sleepy guy. Uh, I feel like this is because I didn't eat at the basketball game last night. <laughs> I think this is why. And also because I sat there writing till midnight because a leaf blower was so loud. In the crow's nest. In the crow's nest. The media... Perch, what do you call it? The media attic, the media nest. Yeah, the media nest. I mean, that's the best. The media nest up in 213. You're like 19 stories up. Nosebleeds while you're typing over your keyboard. We're going to be in the wall before the season's over, uh, physically riding in the wall. We are in the rafters. We are. I mean, you can look up and see the dust coming from the rafters. Look, I'm not. I'm not meaning to complain. Uh, it's just what we do. We're the media. We like to complain, and I'm more or less having fun with this because I really appreciate all the hospitality that ECU gives us at the uh, at the sporting events. I and mean, we get free food. Good I'm back not pedal. Gonna, I'm not going to complain about free food. Well, you didn't get free food, is what it sounds. Yeah, like. Yeah, that's the, that's why I'm complaining. He's, we he's in a hypothetical. We didn't if get he free gets free food, food there's no complaint. Um, but some people got free food. And I just wasn't one of them. Luckily, anonymous source that just texted me, I did eat last night. My wife cooked some great pasta. There we go. That said, I wanted a little second. You know, I didn't eat as much pasta as you, I was you going were, you to. You were anticipating second dinner. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, I got that first plate. It. Yeah. Didn't go back, and I'm like, you know, I think I'll save some room for this Jersey Mike sub. There was no Jersey Mike sub. No Jersey you Mike assumed. sub. You assumed. This anonymous source got the last one. Didn't save me a single bite. but uh, That anonymous source might be fired. <laughs> he might be. He might be. <laughs> After Saturday. we got to get through Saturday, and then we'll fire him. That's all true. Right, all right. But in all seriousness, I uh, appreciate the hospitality ECU. It was just one of those things. Season opener, probably some people were in there that shouldn't have been in there. Stealing our free food, Joe. A couple media members who think they're media members. Yep. A couple non-media people. Uh, Philip. You weren't there, so you couldn't complain. Dom, yeah. though, Dom was there for us, and he was like, man, we're already out of food. That was the thing. We got there an hour before tip-off. It's not like yeah, we rolled in early. at 645. Like you rolled in at 650. Yeah. But, hey, when the media, when we don't get something we expect, we complain. <laughs> that Joe, you, you, you're now in this world. I, apparently. We've got a platform to complain about it, so we're going to do it. I have um, the microphone, well, and you don't. You well, and then here's the other issue, too. When you expect it, and then you show up, and then you don't have it, it's like, well, if I would have known I wasn't going to have it, it's yeah, okay. I would have got food before, true. but I don't want to pay like $40 for a little pizza or that, whatever the heck right. they charge for that. And now that they've shifted to Pizza Hut from Papa John's, those things are nasty. They're not even – and I like Pizza Hut, so I'm not trying to bag on All them. Right. But the, the little the, – they put them in that metal container, and it just dries out the crust, and it's pan pizza, and it's just – it's not yeah, fresh. It's overpriced. Welcome yeah. into snack hour with Philip Pilkington. I know, but it's like we if I if I had to session. run by you know <laughs> Jersey Mike's get my own sub before I'd be okay. Yeah. But you know it's like 
Well, that's the thing. You can't leave when yeah, you get there an hour you get before. There, you can't leave. You're kind of stuck, and then you're stuck with popcorn. Yeah. Um, good popcorn, though. It is good popcorn. <laughs> Benji's popcorn is undefeated. <laughs> it is, but it's not a meal, man. Like, no, no, no. It's, it's just empty great carbs. popcorn. It's a good snack. It's not dinner. What's wrong with carbs? Uh, we did. I did give Casey Romaley, who you can hear on this show. He's also a Hoisted Colors basketball insider. I gave him a $20 bill. I was like, look, man, you're interning for us. I'm sorry there's no food. Go fund the ECU concessions. And so he look at that. He got some concessions. He got some food because look, he's he's in college. He doesn't have much disposable income. So I was like, look, man, I'm sorry. I would give you my sandwich if I had one, but I will give you this twenty dollar bill. And that's he, honest, honest guy. He may have gotten adult beverage too. I don't know, but I'm sure he didn't. But he did a good job. <laughs> Cleaning up for the concessions. East Carolina, again, victorious in men's basketball. And I promise you guys this, we will have food Saturday because that's how it always works. You, you, hey, Just like in football, you know, you have some – where do you make the biggest improvements? Week one to week two? Yes. That's what happens, too, in uh, operations or whatever. And media, too. Like, we made some mistakes. I, I probably misspelled somebody's name last night, and now i got to clean that up going into the game. I goes redemption arc is showing. The players no longer are angry at him for his Marshall article from oh, two gosh, years ago. Man, don't get me started on Nobody that. Nobody talked to Igo for like a year. Brian Gag is still uh, holding, a, <laughs> holding a grudge somewhere. Everybody's back on the Igo train, saying hi, being friendly. It's it's week week one to week two for Fode, and it's 2021 to now for Igo. That's redemption true. arc. You always got to have that redemption arc, and we'll find it Saturday. Minji's Pirates hosting Campbell, 2 o'clock. I might show up Thursday, actually, to see if I can get some food for the women's game. No, it'll definitely be gone by the time we get there because they start at 6, not 7. That is seven. true. We, we got our sub show. show. Yeah. yeah. Sub show on site. Yeah, but that's yeah. the reason we're not going to get our miniature championship banners. And Joe was supposed to get them for us, but now I Joe's was. going out of town on Thursday. What? So he's dropping the ball. So you just you lied to us. Liar! My you mother, promised. You know, my birth giver, my mother, is celebrating her birthday. And I said, hmm, maybe I should be a good son. What's I more go. important, getting us replica championship banners yeah. or celebrating your mom's birthday? We'll let the comments. Decide. Also, you could like you could still leave after the game and be home at a decent time. It's not like you're celebrating a Thursday night. No, but you know, yeah. And this way, you're not you're sitting in Minji's Coliseum during rush hour traffic instead of driving in rush hour traffic, and then you can drive when nobody's on the roads at nine thirty. This is the guy who drives like four hours in between for Panthers games to come back on Monday. So you just like driving. Yeah, no, I really don't, but, you know, love my <laughs> that team. That drive is terrible. It is, it's but I love worst. my team. Anyway. Anyways, let's talk about our East Coast Agency Pirates of the Week. And it is none other than the main man himself, Keaton Mitchell, the former Pirate. I still can't believe this guy was undrafted, just like I still can't believe Jaquan McMillan was undrafted. All he needed was a shot. Unfortunately, he's been a little injured, but got his shot on Sunday. Ravens just killed the Seattle Seahawks. Keaton Mitchell, nine carries, 138 yards, 15.3 yards per carry. Keaton Mitchell had a 40-yard touchdown run. He had a 60-yard run. Should have scored on the 60-yard, but we'll get into that later. He had... He forced eight missed tackles on nine carries. How does that even happen? And I don't know. He, he's in the NFL. I don't know. <laughs> and he's a small back, and he forced eight missed tackles. He Joe. topped out at 20.99 miles an hour. That was, okay, we can't give him 21 because that would be inhuman. That's what happened. That's, that's the Keaton Mitchell effect. 
to the people who don't know, yes, you see him on the field and you see him running and now you've seen him make actual the 32 best athletes on the field at that time between special teams and offense and defense, which I don't count the kickers. So like that's where we get 32 instead of 33. But still, he made them look like a bunch of college kids. He outran all-pro safety for 35 yards. He outran an all-pro linebacker for 45 yards. He just does it. Imagine running next to him on Sundays in practice when you just came in post-game and he's running like that next to all the other tight ends. I'm already slow as is. He made me look like I was in slow motion. Did he lap you? He couldn't lap me, but like if he could have, right. he would have. He would have. Yeah, with, with the gasters, he yeah. couldn't technically lap me, but like he was done by the time I got to my second. Yeah. So Keaton Mitchell, guys, he had 138 yards. How many yards do y'all think he had after contact? He's a smaller back. You know, there's no way he had that many, right? Uh, 123. 132. Oh, I was going to go 132. I mean, you almost nailed it, but 132 of 138 yards after would, contact. Yeah, I, I just didn't know if he had, like, one big run where he didn't right, get touched didn't have until any. the second level. Yeah. But, yeah. Even his big runs, like, that, mm-hmm. he almost got tackled. He just, like, shedded the guy off Yeah, of him. the half spin. Yeah, I mean, that's just what he does. That's the thing, man. Like, people kind of see his size and they're like, well, he's just an uh, elusive speed back. No, like, no. he consistently makes people miss and he breaks those arm tackles. Like, he just, he's built like a running back, man. He's mm-hmm. just, he just looks like a, in this picture, he looks like an NFL running back. Not that picture, but, uh, that's right. He is an NFL he running back. Uh, East, East Coast Agency, by the way, our sponsor for the Pirate of the Week. I uh, appreciate Tim Vliet and his support of the program. They're actually opening up a Greenville branch here. We're going to get a new read here shortly. But this from hurricane season, from property damage to essential belongings, we've got you covered at East Coast Agency. Don't wait until it's too late. Act now and enjoy the peace of mind you deserve. Join the countless satisfied customers who have experienced our quick claims process and personalized service when disaster strikes. We're here to help you rebuild. East Coast Agency. 910-446-5061 or visit their website www.eca-insure.com Again, appreciate Tim Vliet, his support of the program, East Coast Agency, Keaton Mitchell doing his thing, Jaquan McMillan doing his thing. Love these guys making the most of their time. And, and I, I tweeted this, Joe, like these guys, I've watched a lot of pirate football, good and bad. Two of the best players I've ever seen in yeah. an ECU uniform. And they're showing Week in and week out. I mean, they're, they're just... They're players. I don't care about the size. They can play football. It's just, yeah. And I, uh, but what do you think Keaton Mitchell at this point, like, he did some of this in kind of garbage time to a degree, but do you feel like this puts him in the actual, like, Ravens rotation offense when game's on the line? Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, Gus Edwards has been a great back for them, especially in the red zone, and he's been a great short yardage back, and he doesn't really have, like, the pop that Keaton does, but every time Keaton's touched the football, whether it was garbage time or preseason or whatnot, he's made a play. It's been 13 yards or 35 yards or 68 yards, and however it pops off. And Harbaugh speaks very highly of him. So I'd expect, especially with Todd Munkin now being the OC and how they can kind of use him and Lamar in tandem, especially if you go to like a speed option set or like the true read like they've been doing in the past, he could definitely start to get a lot more burn as a running back. And he makes the most of every opportunity. And you only get so many carries. Who cares who's or what time of the game it is. I mean, Jamal Adams is the all-pro safety for them. Bobby Wagner is their all-pro linebacker. They're still on the field when he's out there. And the threat of Lamar Jackson keeping the ball 
with Keith Mitchell's speed, like on those read options, like I just feel Terrifying. like that is just like, I mean, I don't know how you defend that. I don't think you can. And I think that's why he busted off his first touchdown run because of that threat. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, not why, but had a big reason. Part why. of the reason. Yeah. So the Ravens take on the Browns this Sunday, then they host the Bengals on Thursday night in a couple weeks. That'll be a primetime game, and uh, then go to the Chargers. Some big games coming up. Ravens seven and two, right in the thick of the AFC, top of the mix. There, they're always in the they're just solid. Like they just find a way. Their injury report looks like an actual roster. Right, seven and two. That's what they do, man. The Ravens, great program. Harbaugh, John Harbaugh, is he cheating like Jim? Who knows? Uh, but I think he's a a great coach either way, and they they had the sense to sign Keaton Mitchell after the draft after no one dra- uh, after no one drafted him. So yeah, they're reaping the benefits. All right, let's get our final break in. We'll come back. We will have uh, more thoughts on East Carolina, FAU on the other side. Wrapping up the show there. This is Hoist the Colors on thir- on a Tuesday. We're live with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Hoist the Johnny Roger! Now, back to Hoist the Colors. Welcome back in. Hoist the Colors on a Tuesday. We're streaming early due to the press conference. Got a few minutes left. We're also live, of course, on 12 noon. or in the 12 noon hour on 94.3 The Game. If you're listening, driving around, catching us at our normal time. All right, guys. East Carolina, FAU this Saturday. And my excitement meter is not where it needs to be. Usually at this point, I've done a good amount of research on the opposing team. I'm doing it right now as we talk on this show. (laughs) FAU is scoring a lot of points this year. Somewhat. They're scoring 27 a game. They're averaging a lot of yardage. 365.1 yards per game. I guess that's more average yardage. See, when I don't do my research, it shows they're giving up 414 and 26 a game. Oh, so yeah. they're a solid team, four and five. Tom Herman's first year. They're actually three and two in conference. They've been very inconsistent. And wow. you would kind of expect that. That's the Tom Herman calling card. Right. Non- is he the play caller? Is the, the thing I don't know. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. They lost to UTSA 36 10. They beat mm-hmm. Charlotte 38 16. Beat USF 56 14. But then that was after a 2017 win over Tulsa. So, like, this team is a little bit all over the place. They're streaky. FAU, a 11-point favorite. I know that's what opened at. I haven't checked the line since. What's your gut on this game, Joe, if any? My gut is it's going to be a lot closer than people think. And I know we've said that about a lot of things. But I think that's this is one of those – Yeah, I think it's one of those weeks where FAU doesn't know when – like, what to do against Harrell. This is Herman's first time facing Harrell especially as a coordinator, but there's so much tape on what Tom Herman has done at so many different stops and when he was at Texas and when he was an offensive analyst at Texas when they were playing uh, Mike Leach in the Cotton Bowl and all those different things. And there's so much film to go off Herman and his tendencies and everything like that, but there's not a ton to go off Harrell as a full-time play caller except for the last three years here. And, yeah, you can go to Kennesaw, but do you put the same value into that as what you're putting in now because of how the game's evolved? So – I think ECU is the edge defensively, especially. I think the offense could shock some people because they are not great defensively. Uh, I know the defensive coordinator has been very limited in what he can do because of the players they have and the personnel that's been left over. So I lean to the Pirates having a lot better of a shot than we think. We'll get more into the matchup throughout the week. I'll continue to do some more research so I can make more informed opinions. But it's basketball season. It is basketball. It's crossover season. Joe, appreciate the time today. Philip, thanks as always. We'll be back tomorrow, 12 noon. Bobby Harward will join us. We'll talk to you then. 
This has been Hoist the Collars with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 943thegame.com, on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're back tomorrow with more of Hoist the Collars on 943 The Game.